Welcome to Work of Fiction, the podcast that analyzes the fictional organizations you see in movies and TV. Today's episode, Gregarious Games and Innovative Online Industries, or IOI, from Ready Player One. Work of Fiction. Here with my colleagues, Bud and Paula. We are members of Nobel, an organizational design firm that helps teams adopt new ways of working. Do you guys want to say hi? Hi. Hey. <laughs> um, every month, we're going to take a look, or we're going to take a break from helping real organizations change to discuss fictional leaders and organizations, what works, what doesn't, and most importantly, we talk about the simple tools they and you, our listeners, can implement to make the workplace better. If you haven't seen Ready Player One, think Willy Wonka, but for video games. In 2045, which the movie insists on pronouncing as 2045, reality sucks, so everyone escapes to a virtual reality platform called the Oasis. About five years prior to the beginning of the film, its founder, James Halliday, died and willed the company to whomever could solve a series of puzzles. Our plucky hero, Wade Watts, and his band of misfits race against time to prevent the evil IOI from gaining control of the Oasis and turning it into an ad platform. So in Ready Player One, we're actually talking about two different companies. The first is Gregarious Games, the company behind the Oasis. It was founded in 2025 by James Halliday and Ogden Morrow, but Morrow was driven out of the company shortly afterwards. Its business model is unclear, but it possibly uses in-app purchases or a subscription model. Either way, we know it makes a lot of money somehow because it made Halliday and Morrow rich, and the winner of the contest will receive stock valued in the trillions of dollars. And last, it's literally referred to as the greatest resource in the world. Now, the second company is Innovative Online Industries, or IOI, a.k.a. the evil business in suits. The CEO and chief bad guy is Nick Sorrento, who was formerly an intern at Gregarious Games. The company makes the majority of its money from loyalty centers, which are essentially debtors' prisons where people are forced to grind in order to get coins on IOI's behalf. Uh, and they also sell accessories like haptic feedback suits. Of course, their ultimate goal is to gain control of the Oasis itself and turn it into an ad platform. Now, if betting the entire company on a resource that you don't control seems like a risky strategy, you're probably right, but we will get to that later. Now, even though the movie is about control of gregarious games and the Oasis, we see far more of the actual inner workings of IOI. It's not exactly clear who's actually making sure the Oasis functions, and we never see the armies of dev teams that it must take, surely, to keep it running. Um, also, at this point, we should probably point out that we're basing this discussion on the movie and not on the book. Sorry, um, nerds. Because, I mean, nobody reads anymore. So I mean, I did read the book. Me but. too. There's a lot but of I'll differences, that. though. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are nerds. <laughs> uh, so, so what we're going to do is we're actually going to analyze these organizations the way we would, we would analyze a typical organization or a client that we would work with. Um, so, but why don't you explain how we typically will assess an organization? Yeah, because you don't want to hang out with us for the next six weeks. We're going to take one of the tools off the shelf at Nobel. 
which is called organizational charters, where we look at an organization in five domains. First, we look at the environment around the company because we need to understand why it was designed for this purpose. Then we look at purpose, the reason why the company exists, the reason why people choose to work together uh, indefinitely. And then we look at strategies, structures, and systems. So strategies, what are the trade-offs and choices that win customers and block competitors? Structures, how do we divide resources to get work done? And systems, kind of anything as a catch-all in terms of what guides individual behavior across the company's structures. If you can catch on so far, they're a bit like Russian nesting dolls, where environment is the biggest one, and then you move down purpose, strategy, structures, and systems, and a change to the higher level, higher level domain changes things below it. So if your environment changes, you should take a minute and reflect on your purpose, your strategies, structures, and systems, etc. So I thought it would be good for us to start at environment. So let's talk about the world around these two companies. It's 2045, but one cultural stagnation from 1984 is is pretty rampant. Hmm. Also, Columbus, Ohio, I know, is yeah, the, yeah, is that's the that's, biggest city, most thriving city. That's where everyone moves to. I'm like, thinking there, there are literally people from Japan uh, and China who have moved to Columbus, Ohio, because Gregarious Games is there, which right. is appalling. So I'm thinking climate change. There are no coasts mm. left. Like, are the coasts moved Definitely. way in? Yeah. Uh, that's something interesting. Yeah. On a whole, like the world is sad and broken and everyone wants to escape reality, which is why this game is so booming. I also, I went a little deep on this one because <laughs> it, it seems like a lot of our main characters are, are orphans of some kind. Mm. And there's, there's some thought in sort of sociology that once the family structure breaks down, you actually start to have cultural stagnation and people need to find distractions and, you know, you start to fulfill your family role with the people in the game. You and, did go deep in yeah. that environment. Well, something's really wrong with the world, <laughs> and they just sort of go, and here's a really shiny video game. Right. Yeah, also, his, the main character's aunt, she dies, and he doesn't really get all that upset about it. He's like, oh, well, that sucks, but it's he, cool. He yells, you killed my mom's sister at one point. Oh, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Not even <laughs> my aunt. He just couldn't decide on to say, sister. like, aunt or aunt. <laughs> so he just went for the less awkward one. Definitely less awkward. Um, other yeah. things I noticed, um, corn syrup droughts, bandwidth riots. Uh, it seems as if the currency in the game has become the currency in the real world. So is there a mm. government? Question mark. Yeah. There, there is because there's a police yeah. force that shows up literally in the last two minutes of the movie. And there have been like SWAT raids essentially and like... The the IOI company does things that a normal company wouldn't be able to do. It is paramilitary, um, but also there's a police force. So that is a little concerning. Yeah. yeah. But I think you're right about currency. Like the game has gotten so popular, people spend so much time in it that it's pretty much as valuable as real day to day currency. I think maybe even the currency has become. Or is the only currency. Yeah, yeah potentially. So again, dark days. <laughs> dark days. Let's get into the game. All right. So the next domain we talk about is purpose. Um, I, you know, I pulled this up. This is actually a, a quote from Halliday. I, I created the Oasis because I never felt at home in the real world. So obviously the purpose is to create an alternative to the real world where people can connect. What do you guys think about that? Um, no, I think that I agree with that. The only other thing I had in there too is that partly, maybe this doesn't fall into purpose. Maybe it's more of a strategy, but it's very wild west. Like he purposefully designed it to not have rules that was one of his big design points is that he wanted to make it a an, a duplicate world basically but one that he felt more comfortable in yeah i think because he's defining the purpose 
and this is interesting. I mean, this is where we talk about the thumbprint of the founder never leaves the company. So he gets to dictate what the alternative to the real world is. And just by saying, I'm built an alternative to it, mm-hmm. we get his DNA all through it, mm-hmm. especially for Gregarious. And we can talk about IOI as well. I think one of the real challenges with the movie overall is that it's not exactly clear where the movie aligns on how much video gaming you should be doing. So to your point about purpose, um, even the creator's not entirely comfortable because he says, look, you, you can only get a decent meal in reality, right? And he's really, he has a lot of... He didn't realize that till his deathbed. Well, a little too yeah. late, unfortunately. Um, but also, like, he, he realized that he should have gone after the girl, that he, he never had the guts to kiss her back in the day. Um, and, and so there's this, there's this weird dichotomy between, oh, gaming is great and it's a lot of fun, um, but also gaming is not the real thing and so you should focus on the real thing. Well, it's Frankenstein's monster, which is one of my favorite things where founders create things that they end up hating, mm-hmm. like the guy who built indoor malls. It's yeah. a whole other story that we can talk about on another, another pod. podcast episode. <laughs> um, but we should talk about IOI for a second, too, in terms of purpose. Mm. Innovative online industries. They're the second largest company in the world with designs on becoming the first. This one, you know, I had a harder time finding because they seem like such a response to Gregarious. Like everything about them, they're designed to fulfill a niche created by Gregarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they, the I think like opening line about them has become the number. They're, right now they're the number two company. Their goal is to become the number one company. So it's all focused around like what, how can they level up their existing? I actually found it really interesting that Sorrento, who is, you know, chief bad guy, um, he actually lacks purpose. Like, it's never clear what he wants as the CEO of the company. And if you watch almost every single time that he interacts with somebody and he wants something from them, he immediately goes to extrinsic rewards. He's like, oh, you want this thing? Because I can give it to you. I can give you money. I can give you, uh, I can give you a penthouse. I can mm-hmm. give you a board seat, right? So he's always focused on these extrinsic rewards. And we talk a lot about extrinsic and intrinsic rewards with our clients. So an extrinsic reward is something that is um, like money, right? It's an outside reward. It is um, not necessarily why you do it. It's not It's not your real motivation. It's nice to have. Um, everybody needs a salary. And yes, it's good to have health care as a general rule. Um, but it's, it's not what gets you up in the morning. You're not excited to get in and go to work just to make a paycheck. Instead, we like to think a lot about intrinsic rewards what is it that's really motivating and inspiring people to do their best work they want to solve problems they want to tackle exciting challenges they want to feel like maybe i'm making a difference in the world like my work will actually matter at the end of the day and it doesn't mean you have to be curing cancer or literally solving all the world's problems but just making your customers world their life a little bit better in a a tiny way i think we'll talk about it but if you look at the other people who work at IOI, especially the researchers, they seem to really mm-hmm. like their jobs. Yeah, they seem very you know, engaged. They have puzzles they get to solve every single day. They have lots of intrinsic rewards. But they're also not motivated by their leader or their company. Like at the end of the movie, yeah. when they win the key and IOI actually loses, the research team is like cheering and they're excited because they they wanted to like beat the game too. They don't really care about the the company becoming number one. And there's also a really big difference in the class of employee, right? Because to your point, yes, the, the people who get to solve problems, they seem like they have some enjoyment. Right. Um, whereas 
the the essentially grunts and all the people who are just sent in wave after wave they're called sixers and they're called sixers because they are not allowed to differentiate themselves they don't have names um, they are ultimately replaceable so that's another thing we like to talk about like bringing your full self to work um, being able to be an individual and having autonomy and say in what you do at work is really important if you want people to do their best work um, and yet these these sixers essentially are just grist for the video game mill. You know, that's yeah. a trope in movies and TV. Like, there's so many of you, I'm just going to give you a number. And that's supposed to make things more efficient. It just it, it makes it more confusing because I just like, hey, sixer, go do this. And like 18 people turn. How do you how do you differentiate? I just just a, a yeah, that, I think that's, that's the goal. They're like duplicates of one another. They're just an army of robots, yeah. of human bots. But if you just need things. a one man job or one woman job, a one person job, and you would go, hey, and then like 55 people hey, show you. Yeah. yeah, I guess you could do that. But then now you're allowing them to have an identity, mm. a you. <laughs> identity. Anyways, and I. <laughs> you can always trust me to take us into weird places. <laughs> um, okay, so that's purpose. Let's talk strategies. Let's start with gregarious games. So strategies, again, are the choices and trade-offs. We often talk about what's the sacrifice the company's made to try to fulfill their purpose. We'll start with Gregarious and then we'll move on to IOI. Thoughts on Gregarious? Um, so one I mentioned earlier, it's very hand, like one of their strategies is hands off. We designed this thing yeah. and we're not gonna like touch how it uh, morphs basically. We're gonna let it turn into whatever it does. Yeah, which, you know, platform governance, real things. Right. We can talk about that too inside structures and systems, but. You're, you're absolutely right that that's like the DNA of it. Um, you know, it's also sort of an app store strategy in that mm. they're not completely closed and integrated. Like IOI still makes peripherals and devices for it and probably other things as well. And debtor's prisons. We'll talk about that too. Details. <laughs> um, but they allow some of, you know, they allow third parties onto the platform in some way. At least initially they do because at the very end of the movie – uh, Wade says, we've actually banned them. So loyalty right. centers are no longer allowed right. to access the Oasis and the platform. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. And like, in addition to that Wild West thing and the lack of control, they also don't really control. It doesn't seem like they control user privacy at all either. Like in addition to the, the loyalty centers, people can also access your... They found what's his name, Wade Watts's identity, his address Personal. and everything, yeah. first of all. After he bought something in the game, they like tracked him down. Yeah. I think that was IOI that had that data exposure. But it did but, seem like privacy, you know, as soon as he wins the first key, mm -hmm. everyone knows who he is and like, no, like tracks him down. He right. has to wear the Superman and Clark Kent glasses mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah. How sad is that? I didn't even think about privacy implications when watching this movie. I think because I assumed there just were none. <laughs> but it is actually a really important part. Like, that is why everybody goes by a pseudonym, mm. right? As Artemis or uh, Parzval or Iraq, all terrible. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's also, you know, with the open strategy, I think, so H, the character H in the film is assembling the Iron Giant, which I'll also talk about, I'm sure, at some point for he's not a war bot, but that's a whole other conversation. He's a gentle creature. Yeah, but he's <laughs> making Focus on organizations. He's building it for money. Um, you know, it's unclear, like if there's a square cash like service in the platform or this is outside going through, mm. but there's, you know, like world of Warcraft, there's a whole other market of people creating things and selling things. Yeah. 
that like I don't I don't know if the rules of the movie made sense to me so I have trouble talking through that because it didn't make sense to me how he could have a job inside the game and people were creating things outside the game for the game as well like how does the I just didn't the economy didn't seem to add up to me there it's hard for me to go down that rabbit hole because I don't think the rules make sense yeah but yeah um it also reminds me of so there was the like dark age at Disney when Walt died and everything about the strategies around Gregarious are what would Halliday do, right? And he's even like created himself as a as an average. Did, we didn't do any spoiler warnings <laughs> early in the podcast. We should. Oops. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> next time. Um, Fix it in post. Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, they have the Walt Disney problem where they can't move on as an organization. I mean, not that I know that anyone else works there. That's another conversation, but. You know, just like Disney had a, like a decade or two of just you know dark age because they kept just following what they thought Walt would do, and it mm. didn't allow them to react with you know what was happening around them, and that reminds me of of where that it's like founder plan right even over responsiveness to the environment an even overstatement uh, is a way to codify a choice or a trade off in a really simple way so. The fun examples we always give are, you know, what are the choices you made, like picking your apartment or your spouse or partner? And it could be, you know, a large closet, even over a large kitchen, right? And that's, that's a choice you is, made. Is this spouses or is this living situations? <laughs> <laughs> True. Either or. You choose your own adventure, just like the game. Um, but so, you know, I think, yeah, founder plan, even over evolving with your environment feels like a strategy that's, you know, either implicit or explicit. So I think that's really interesting because at the point where we joined the movie, Halliday's been dead for five years. Mm -hmm. So in theory, this organization has not evolved or changed in five years. And Wade actually says that basically fewer and fewer people are involved in this Easter egg hunt to control the game, right? Because they're like, well, no clues have been discovered, no keys have been found. Um, So it's just been a stalemate, really. And it does raise this interesting question of like, if, if this hadn't happened, if people had just, uh, if, if the j- game had just continued as it was without people discovering or their ownership transferring, would people eventually get bored with it? Would it just stop evolving and people would move on to something else, right? Why mm-hmm. isn't IOI innovating on this platform now that I actually say that? Anyway. Yeah. Well, the last, well, oh, go ahead, Jane. I was going to say it's evolving, I feel like, on its own because there aren't really rules to stop it from doing that. But to your point about this going on for five years and people slowly dropping out of the race, it's almost like a really long term interview process for the next founder, but with no like real thinking behind the rules of who they want to take that role. It's just like who they might stumble upon it. They might figure it out because they're really good at puzzles. That doesn't mean they're good at running a company. I have a whole thing on succession planning, but that's in the systems part. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The, The last thing I had on gregarious and strategies it's just that they've, you know, again, with their open strategy, they haven't capitalized on things. So they didn't do loyalty programs or tiers. That was like what Sorrento pitched as an intern and he was laughed out. We also should talk about like the deep toxicity of nerddom in this mm. in this whole no, universe. No, that's its, that's its own podcast. There are, there are many podcasts. Well, we can talk about it, but it turns into some awful gatekeeping behaviors that you see that just become normalized. We can talk about that. Um, but what it also does is it creates space for IOI to create things like tiers and loyalty programs and, mm-hmm. and those things, right? So when you have an open platform and you choose not to participate in these ways, you're making a choice that really starts to create an ecosystem around you. And then it's up to you to manage or not manage the ecosystem. 
Mm-hmm. What about IOI and strategies? I mean, maybe don't plan your entire company on a platform that you don't own or control. It seems like a pretty obvious one. But then I was thinking about it. There are so many companies right now that are based on like Twitter as a platform, right? There is a whole ecosystem that is based on Twitter and Facebook and they don't control it. So uh, I don't know. What do I know? I don't think, so I think they talk about this early in the movie, and maybe I misunderstood it. I don't think that IOI's sole purpose is involved with Gregarious Games. I do think that they're like a Cisco where they're just like done, they do a thousand things, and this is one of the many things they want to do in order to become an even bigger company. So at least that's how, so maybe I'm bringing in book knowledge right now. Yeah. But I think that's how they describe it at the beginning of the movie, too. It is hard not to, not to Blend pollute a bit. Yeah. the timelines. Um I would also suggest that the board needs to be a lot more active in overseeing the CEO. Um, mm. Just because he basically brushes off. There's, there's like one board scene in the very beginning mm-hmm. of the film um, where they are questioning his strategy. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. We've got this. We're going to take over the the platform and we're going to turn it into 80% ad display. Um, which, I, I don't know. I get it. It's a critique on, on modern society and how we're using advertising as as a revenue source. Um, but yeah, if I were the board, I would be a little bit concerned about where we're taking this, um, what the long-term vision is for the company, assuming that we can win and that we do get the keys and want to take it over. The egg. Yes, exactly. The egg. Well, first you get the keys right. to get the egg. But the egg. It's all about right. the egg. Yes. It's just like Mario. Or, yeah. So one thing I'd say, though, about the board, it does feel like a conscious strategy at IOI shareholder returns even over shareholder happiness because there's one quote that sorrento has at one point and he says it's not our job to make them happy it's our job to make them money Hmm. which you know is is a way that we see lots of companies operate in this way and that's why you get hostile boards and Mm -hmm. hostile investors Mm -hmm. Um, but it does seem like it's his explicit strategy and it goes to what you said earlier about he's purely driven by extrinsic rewards yeah, he has no he has no real vision for the company or what gaming could be. It's just like, oh, well, we could make money in this way. And ultimately, I don't think that's why people get on board to work for you. So uh, I think he has, I think that's actually probably why they weren't able to get to the key, right? Like they, they didn't have people invested in actually getting IOI to, to the egg, first yeah. the egg. Yeah. yeah. It's a revenge. It's a wholly driven by revenge of being called out for not being cool enough at that company. It's like in every revenge movie, you never actually want to see like the month after because it's just a, a guy who's like really depressed because he has no more drive. I don't even know why Sorrento wanted to work at Gregarious Games in the first place. Oh, because he's a nerd and he loves nerd. Is he a nerd? I, I think there was a moment in his life where he could have been. It's like, you know, he. I think I saw him as a young man at a crossroads. <laughs> Between deciding... This is not about you, right? <laughs> I'm not a young man. not your therapy I'm a, hour. I'm a middle-aged man stuck at a crossroads. It's very different. But it did get the sense of he was there because, you know, he looked up to these really visionary leaders, right? There were, like, Jobs and Allen. It was... Or, no, sorry. Jobs and Wozniak, uh, Bill Gates and Paul Allen. Like, they were, you know, the dynamic duo that he showed up to work with. He had sort of... He thought he was bringing sort of a business acumen to something. Mm-hmm. 
and he got shut out. So I see it as like, this is just pure revenge. I'm going to take the skills that I have and I'm going to beat you at your own game. Okay, but he wasn't a nerd or at least he wasn't, quote unquote, the right type of nerd. Well, well, yeah, this is gatekeeping again. Like, let's talk about those challenges. Like you have to be able to like, it's insane what you have to remember. And like what high school was in uh, Ferris Bueller, both the name of the high school and John Hughes films and things like that. So like... He, yeah. There's nerd and then there's this insane gatekeeping behavior. Also, it's really like it's very egotistical too. It's all yeah. you have to know every single detail about the founder, about how he grew up, who is he he was in love with and didn't get to kiss and all of that stuff. It's really yeah. And to the, I think the point you made earlier, Paula, just in the succession planning then, or maybe it was you, Jane, just to like you're just looking for a clone mm-hmm. of that person through that process. Yeah. And that's a strategy that Gregarious is making, too, that, like, only one kind of leader can lead this company. Mm-hmm. And it looks exactly like we, we had before. And it's super codified into the company. Remember, you should be looking for a culture ad, not a culture fit. <laughs> Thank you for that, Paula. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we move on to structure? Yeah. So Gregarious first. All right. Well, I don't know if there is a structure at Gregarious. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much James Halliday is a god. Um <laughs> He drives out his his partner, right, Ogden Morrow, Og, um, and and of course he he learns to regret this. And the whole moral of the story is that Wade decides to run the company with his clan, the High Five, so that it's no longer a one player game um, from from here on out. So I think there is a theme here, not entirely developed, but this idea of should you be a loner. Or should you work together as a team? What's what's yeah. best for the game? Yeah. What's best for you? Yeah. I feel like it gets there because the group that does end up finding the Easter egg, they do it as a group. Whereas IOI, even though they have like thousands of people working to get there, there's no collaboration across the departments. Like the research team is not talking to the Sixers. And even in the research team, they're like all thinking independently and then shouting out their answer to the microphone and the microphone talks to like the person who ends up doing the job. Yes. But they're, when they shout it out, they do so while looking very pensive, like putting their, <laughs> stroking their chin and thinking. It's a universal intently. sign of I'm smart. I, I think I want to pull on that thread a little bit of the individual versus the collective and go in a weird place, but give me like 45 seconds. So if we go back to the environment, which dictates everything, and we know it's a vast dystopia, there are like really horrible things happening, but we have this opium for the masses, which is this video game, and it's super individualistic, just like its founder, right? Now, all of a sudden, though, they've exposed this idea of teamwork and collaboration, working together and shutting it down for a day. And I'm actually really concerned for the society because people will now pay attention to how bleak things are. And they may be Mm. so bleak that they were never... Like they were quite beyond repair. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's the larger question I think about the movie overall. It's like, oh, well, we're shutting it down on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's like, but you you have this whole dystopia that needs mm-hmm. needs your attention. Like that that's what the movie should have been about. But whatever, that is that is far off the topic of organizational design. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the choices that your company makes, it, it, environment doesn't just affect you; you affect the environment too. So, look at me; I can bring it right back. Um, beautiful yeah I mean just a random thing I read online is actually we've talked now a few times about Willy Wonka Spielberg actually wanted Gene Wilder to play Halliday as his last role before he passed oh I did not know that yeah and then when we go uh, just a random fact Um, and then also 
you know, so I was thinking about uh, Willy Wonka and I'm like, well, where's the Oompa Loompas? And I was like, maybe, you know, maybe it's like the librarian, but we know now that someone was actually being like talking through it. But I was like, D- is it just like an artificial intelligent army of Oompa Loompas we don't see that actually runs everything? That's so true. Yeah. So we didn't talk about that in structures. Like who's man- who's running the game? There has to be someone who's running the game. Yeah. There's no way that it's just like holding itself up. Yeah. Maybe it is inv- invisible Oompa Loompas. <laughs> Theory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you I'm cracked gonna, it. I'm going to go deep <laughs> on that one. All right, structures for IOI. Uh, so I, I thought it was interesting that Nolan essentially does all of the work himself, and he doesn't treat his subordinates um, with respect. Like, the, the only times he does essentially work with people, it is to bark orders at them or to, like, essentially it's the equivalent of getting a coffee right like they're mm-hmm. helping him take off his this is his gaming suit um yeah he's he's not really a team player the yeah the closest he has is his relationship with um god i just just her name was ridiculous it was like finale zador or yeah. something like that finale zandor zandor thank you finale i don't know how i didn't remember that um <laughs> But but even then, she he clearly does not trust her to do the things. Like, she's always saying, like, do you want me to do this or not? Like, let me be in charge of this. Autocratic um, leader. So, yeah, he has a real delegation problem. Yeah. Um, and she seemed pretty good at her job. So I, I actually think that if he had let her, had more autonomy, do the job, um, Wade might be dead and the movie might have ended <laughs> very differently. Yeah. So I think... Really quickly, structures at IOI, we know a few things about just, like, clear structures there. They have this, um, like, debtors program, mm-hmm. they, which is a structure probably within the organization. They have a private army. And yeah. is that, I think Assassins. that's... Yeah, that's, like, associated with the, de- the debtors program. We know they split their people into sixers and researchers, so they've created some structure there. Um, and then they have a board, of course, that we've talked about so far. Mm-hmm. So those are the more formal structures in the company yeah i'm wondering if it's really siloed so a lot of a lot of the clients that we have uh one of the big challenges is always how do you get people within your organization to talk to each other and i'm just wondering is is there an overlap is there are are there indications that there is a lot of cross-functional teamwork going on within ioi I say no. From what I saw, it seems very independent. Like, I think everyone is trying to operate the same way that their leader is. And he's very control. Like, he will assign people tasks, but then he'll jump into the game and be controlling about what happens next. And everyone else is doing the same thing. They're all on their own, like, independent mission. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, the only times that we see the, like, shifting from structure to structure to structure is with Sorrento. So he's the one who seems to be doing all of the orchestrating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it goes all the way to the top has to go all the way back down through the silo, all the way up again. Very inefficient. Yeah, I was just thinking the other time we see structure most directly is when Artemis is essentially grinding. Uh, she's she's laying charges, essentially. Mm-hmm. And there is a supervisor who is yelling at her and being like, lay those charges, do this, do that. Mm-hmm. So again, not a lot of autonomy, not a lot of uh, creative problem solving allowed for the Sixers themselves. Well, that's a good. It's a good thing to bring up because uh, placing explosives, not a lot of autonomy. I would want to give people <laughs> <laughs> play jazz where you put these bombs, um, and that goes to something else that we talk a lot with clients. 
that all work sits on a spectrum of fixed versus fluid. So mm -hmm. fluid environments, and this is all based on your environment and how you pick the right way to work together. Fluid environments, there's just a lot of uncertainty and novelty, and it's usually a competitive advantage to be fast. Fixed environments, less novelty, really competitive advantage to deliver quality and consistency. So I would say placing bombs or placing explosives is more on the fixed side of work, where command and control it structures... depends on the type of work. <laughs> command and control structures probably are good there, but you know, then you know, figuring out what the next challenge could be is very fluid activity. So you probably want to create a lot of autonomy for your sixers and your researchers to mm -hmm. go out and try to discover what that next thing might be. I, I also just want to point out, so IOI, at least the parts of the division of the company that we see the most, they have designed themselves in response to Gregarious. So again, we, you talked about platform strategy before. So all of the things that we see were designed in response to that. And I think that's important to remember. We see that with a lot of companies too. And it doesn't just have to be how have I designed myself to a platform, but it could be how have I designed myself for partners in the space too. And so you can look at structures. Structures tend to be a response to fulfilling a niche that the other company or the mm. other competitors have left. And it really is a monopolized society, right? I mean, as opposed to having an alternate game that IOI has developed, at least that we can see, um, they've just decided to piggyback off of the Oasis. So right. it, I mean, it, it's very much in following of the winner takes all uh, market that we're yeah. in right now, where there is no competitor to a Facebook. There is no competitor mm -hmm. really to Google. I mean, yes, there's technically Bing. Um, and apparently DuckDuckGo is getting really popular these days. Um, and by popular, I mean like had 30 million hits last month. Um, so yeah, it is, it is challenging in a monopolized society. Uh, moving on, shall we, to, sure. to systems. But tell us a little bit about what a system is. So we think of anything being a system if it governs individual behavior across structures. So systems could be Slack as a communication tool because that in some ways guides your behavior. It could be decision-making systems. It could be budgeting processes. So anything that dictates at sort of the, the lower levels of your activities as a business dictates behavior. It's, it's sort of a catch-all, but um, you, need, you need to think about your structures dictate how work is divided and then how work gets done sort mm -hmm. of falls into the systems bucket. Mm -hmm. Okay. So can we please, please talk about succession planning um, within both companies because it is atrocious. <laughs> uh, su succession planning is really just figuring out who the next leader is. Um, so with gregarious games, there really isn't a plan. I mean, like, okay, yes, it is. Let's, let's set up a series of challenges and whoever gets through and finds the Easter egg is the winner and takes over uh, Gregarious Games right. and the Oasis and trillions of dollars in the world's greatest resource. Um, I would argue that having basically three three gaming challenges is a terrible way to choose a successor to your next company. But you guys, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I agree. And the gaming challenges don't really measure would you be a good successor at all. They measure, are you good at problem solving? Potentially, are you good at teamwork? But it's not necessarily Sheer designed memory. that way. Memory. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Obsession. <laughs> Obsession. Are you very obsessive? Great. Have my company. Um, yeah, and the other thing is they. this happens at like the very last stage of the movie, but you find out that 
whoever wins the company will also be partnered with Ogden Morrow. So he is like setting it up so that there would be some sort of partnership with someone with experience, but there's no plan for what happens if Ogden Morrow passes too. There's, there's no plan around that either. Yeah. It's a very backwards looking organization. Yeah. Um, I think, Bud, you mentioned this, is, is this idea of you have to focus on, you have to be a master of like 1980s culture. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is again in 2045. So we're still making, I mean, that's, that's crazy. I, do people know 1980s culture all that much now? Um, but I think this goes to who Halliday is um, in that he does not like change. Right. He explicitly says, he's like, why do we always have to go forward? Why can't we go backwards? Right. Real really fast. fast. Pedal to the metal. <laughs> um, he's really not interested in, in taking risks. He wanted things to for the most part, stay the same. Um, and again, he says himself he was afraid of taking risks and he missed out on the most important things in life. Uh, but he doesn't really encourage people to, like, when he looks for his successor, the challenges that he has, has put forth do not necessarily encourage risk-taking. It's really, like, can you, can you figure out the puzzle? Can you study me uh, mm -hmm. extensively? But it doesn't encourage the risk-taking behavior that he's supposed to have learned is really important in life. I also would say, so I think you can draw a line from the su succession planning for Halliday all the way down to the lower employees of whom we don't see much of. But Sorrento as an intern, right? There was no, it, it, one, he was, it doesn't seem like there was anyone there to really help him mm -hmm. grow and progress. It's true. Um, I mean, he got a lot of direct access to the founders. So as an intern, that's pretty cool. But other than that, like clearly... No one guided him back onto a path. Yeah. Yeah, he tries to, like, contribute, and they just say, oh, good coffee, and ignore his contributions. Yeah. yeah. Which is pretty demoralizing. Yeah. The, beyond succession planning, this is also when you can talk about platform governance, right? So mm -hmm. what are the systems in place to guide the structures and mm -hmm. to guide the strategies of it? And there is almost – this is very uh, Facebook, Twitter, 2016 – lack of platform governance and a strong ethos of that's not that's not what we do right yeah it's very i mean it's really hands-off like we've been talking about there's just no plan for it at all but i think that so the other side of that is when an ecosystem gets that big when it's literally a replicant of the existing world could you could you govern it or create rules for it that wouldn't be problematic i don't know if you even could if you tried because it's it's it was created to be this huge thing, and there's always going to be some balance of good and evil. Somewhere a tech CEO is saying, "Yeah, no, you can't see." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm giving them a pass. I guess. Yeah, total pass. <laughs> um, uh, you know, also anonymity to some degree. I think Gregarious probably believes more in anonymity than IOI, and we can talk about that in terms of systems because everything's an avatar, because everything is. Uh, built on an alias. Um, I also find it really, like, one of the systems I, I enjoyed is the credit system, and it reminded me of, like, old-school 4chan in that, like, you had it, and then when it got erased, it doesn't come back. Um, and I relate that to 4chan because 4chan famously only had so much memory, and the whole site would refresh after you hit the end of the database. Mm. And that's where memes came mm. from. Because people had to remember what was popular in the last iteration and bring it back, but also perform on top of it. Mm. But I think mm. it you can see that for the players, this credit system that 
that keeps, you know, cashing out every time they die. That that dictates a lot of their behavior. I mean, mm-hmm. Parseval didn't want to go to like the big war and things like that because he was afraid of losing his stuff. Yeah. That, I don't know. That feels like almost more of a metaphysical thing. Sorry. What, got, got lost in our movie what, there. What isn't a metaphysical thing? Yeah. I'm like, man, don't we all lose everything in the end? Isn't that? I'm taking it with me. Right. <laughs> uh, taking it with me. No one gets it. Okay. So structures for IOI? Or... No, no, no. Systems. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. Systems, systems IOI. Um, I just really want to get some executive coaching in there for mm. Sorrento. Uh, huh. one of the, one of the things that he, so one of the characters says is like, oh man, you went from maniacal, you, you went from normal to maniacal overlord really fast. Uh, he needs to be able to learn to read a room, uh, and to maybe moderate his emotional response. I think that's one of the really important things that you have to do as a leader to, um, yes, you want to be authentic to your emotions, <clears throat> but you also want to, um, be be a little bit steady, right? You, you, everybody is relying on you um, to guide the ship. It's true. And he is just really explosive and uh, very negative. And his negative emotions will set the tone for the rest of the company. Mm. So I think he really needs to increase his self-awareness. But is he coachable? Mm. I don't know. That's a really good question. question. Yeah, I don't know. He's very okay with murder, which makes me feel like no. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I, if I can share an unpopular opinion, I think when I first started watching this movie, I did for a little bit think like he's, he's being painted as an evil person and we don't want to root for him. Like we definitely do not want IOI to win the game. He wears a business suit for his avatar. (laughs) Like he's a pumped up business guy. That's how quote unquote evil he is. Okay. Continue. Right. But in this, in a world where you're competing to run a company, how do we know that this, the kid with like no experience would be better at running a second world than this businessman? I don't know. Like in the beginning, he really doesn't do that much wrong. He's like, participating in the game they're not really cheating there are no rules so i don't know and then he starts talking about murder and it gets dark but so that's that's where you draw the line (laughs) yeah third x hard to do but i I mean yeah that's a brilliant point i think uh this this is a game to run a company Mm -hmm. right and the, the guy who has shown most business acumen is the evil villain of it and the person who has no interest in sort of the commercial aspects of it in a world in decline when this right. one company has all of the resources that could actually commit to making the world a better place. The kid just likes the game. Yeah. I don't know. Sorrento, I don't think Sorrento would, would want to make the world a better place until he has some sort of he goes to Burning Man a few times and decides <laughs> <laughs> that he now cares. But I, I also think this is, a you know, this is a question we're asking about a lot of tech CEOs right now. What got them? To have very successful companies was a like a brazen attitude. I'll cut any corner, you know. I'll I'll flaunt the norms of being a leader, and now you know all growth stalls at some point. Mm-hmm. And so the question is like, is Elon Musk coachable, mm-hmm. for example? And then what's the role of the board in, in situations like that? Is there room for growth on the Oasis platform? Like, we assume that everybody is already spending all of their, like, waking hours there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the room for growth is put ads on it. Right. And mm-hmm. so, I don't know, maybe this has already, this company has already plateaued. 
And we mm, don't see a lot that... of other companies who would buy that ad space. That also worries <laughs> me. So, so we're saying sell. We're sell, selling <laughs> Gregarious Games stock. Um, yeah. uh, I guess the last thing, yeah, I said it before, but to put a finer point on it. So systems, something's happening below senior management where people seem particularly okay about their jobs at IOI. Um, mm -hmm. Like the Sixers get yelled at, but, you know, and I guess they wear helmets, so it's kind of hard to tell. But the researchers for sure, maybe they're like the special class in this in this society that lives atop the world and the monster class lives below. Mm -hmm. Well, they definitely do because Sorrento at one point is offering Wade all of these things. He's saying, like, we'll give you a penthouse and you can have this rig to have your games and we'll give you mm -hmm. the Millennium Falcon. Like, you can have everything that you possibly want. So I think from, from that perspective, they can offer you material comforts. Last question I would have for you guys is, what's the one thing that you would recommend? Um, we're being brought into Gregarious Games. What's the one thing that you would recommend the new CEO, Wade Watts, do with his team? Hmm. I mean, clearly we have to move the company forward into the future. And it's a perfect time because you've, you've won this game that was all based on pr prior knowledge. And so it's all about now about like creating new art, creating, you know, and I, you know, it, even if Wade just wants to become Halliday at some point, he'll have to have his own competition and it can't just be a, like an right. infinite recursion on James Halliday's life. Yeah, I guess the only thing, so definitely what's your vision for the future and how do you want to get there? But also he seems to be someone like technically the good guy one. He seems to be someone who cares about the world. Is there a way for a company this powerful to do some social good and take us out of the dark place of the, the real world out of the dark yeah. days? I mean, I will say this for Wade. In the very end, his character is able to literally rally the troops. I mean, he gets mm -hmm. everybody to show up um, and essentially expend all of their their trophies and their money and everything they've collected in one big effort to to unite and take down you know, the, the guys who would control it. Um, so maybe actually Wade does have it in him to, to rally the troops, right? Mm -hmm. And have them think about what, where do we go from here? What happens next? We're all zeroed out. What do we want this brave new world to look like? Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for listening to Work of Fiction. You can check us out at nobl.io. Or you can tell us what movie organization you think we should analyze next. Send us an email at heart at nobl.io.